0: John Whelan, it's lovely having you here with myself and Stephen. We know each other through our work with SAVE, mm. um, which we'll go into in a while. I suppose you're a family man, mm. you have uh, you have been an activist for change mm. um, in our system, looking for justice. You're also an addiction counsellor mm. and you're a wonderful person and someone I can Thank consider you. a friend. I suppose when we go into why we got into SAVE together and you know the backstory there, talk about uh, what was it like growing up in your household?
1: Growing up in my household, well, we grew up in a small council house on the Carrick Road in Kilmagani. There was about six houses along together, lots of kids in them, that's all I know, and every house had a kind of an open door. So we come home from school and the school bags would be thrown in the corner and, you know, we'd have food and next thing we're gone, we're gone into Paddy Foreign's Field across the way and we're hurling for the evening. You know, I would we disappear and just called roaring and shouting from the door that you know come back to your dinner is ready or whatever it might be, but yeah there were good times uh, in my house. There was obviously my mum and dad and myself and my brother Paul, and my grandfather lived with me for for years and years. A man I greatly uh, admired and he taught me an awful lot of stuff. Um, and I worked with him in the summer on the farms and things like that. You know, so he gave me a great appreciation for connection with nature and to appreciate nature and love of animals and all, all, you know, everything that's going on around me. Like, you know, so that uh, that came from him and I'll be forever grateful to him for that. But uh, I suppose dad would have given me a huge, my sense of justice comes from my father. Uh, <coughs> dad was a uh, truck driver all his life. He would have been uh, very involved in the trade union movement. So a great sense of fairness and uh, fighting for rights for ordinary working people. And I suppose that's where I got that from, I suppose. so. So, yeah, but, um, mum again was, I suppose, she wasn't just a mother to myself and Paul. She was mother to half, to half, to, half to, the people and the, the kids on the road. Like, you know what I mean? The same as every other mother. Like, you know, I remember going to neighbours and they'd be having their dinner and they'd sit you down and say, look, there's a plate. Eat away. Eat away. Yeah. You know, so and that's the way good it was. It was great times. It was great times. Yeah. yeah. And
0: and yeah. you talk about, you know, you'd leave the bag and you'd be gone because we be were gone. safe. Yeah. And that sense of safety was there a lot as children. Oh, and an adventure, an an adventure.
2: adventure and wander yeah. and have uh, fun. And you all grew all up
0: with that. that. And you grew up with that mindset and you grew up with that mentality never to think that later on in life that would be shattered in so many ways. Yeah. Ways as like well. I said, it was an
1: innocent time. Like, you know, you'd be, you'd be, you know, you could be gone for hours in the summer, like a Saturday, we would be gone from light until dark and. No, 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 where we'd be, you know. <clears throat> we'd be of us together. We could be down the river. We could be, you know, we could be hurling. We could be. We could be anywhere, you know, getting up to mischief. But no, most <laughs> of the time, no one ever know innocent in the mischief. of course. <laughs> the, the only kind. But uh, but that was it, like you know. So uh, you lovely. know. So we were. We grew up, and all the kids on that road were would have been very close, like you know. So and we kind of when we transacted transfer, you know, went from. We'd say national school and then to secondary school or someone went to Bella Hale some went to Callan you know there was a mix there some went to a couple went to Ciarans so, or whatever but we'd always that that bond wasn't always there it was never broken like you know so uh, to this day you know so when I meet people like that like we always talk about those times and it's absolutely lovely to it's a, to lovely, connection. It's a lovely connection and then <clears throat> I suppose when I was about 12 13 ma'am and dad taught us that they were going to foster so that's where Sharon and Linda and David came on the scene because, um, when Mam and dad married first, unfortunately, Mam's Mom, first child Jacqueline died when she was about seven, eight months. And ever since then, I always remember Mam saying she always wanted a daughter. Oh so she they went down the fasting route and Sharon was in St. Joseph's in Kilkenny at the time. And I remember going in to see her for the first time. But she was there with her brother David, her natural brother David, and Mam said that she can't split the family. Yeah. So if she if she was taking Sharon, it was on condition that she could take David as well. And about so a year later, Linda, their other natural sister, was in there as well. So she said she wasn't breaking up the family. Well, so we went for a family of two boys, to a family oof. of three boys and two girls, family of five. So what it was wasn't that was like that, then it was a, a big big culture shock what ages
2: were the Sharon Linda and david
1: um David was i think David was about four Sharon was three, and then when Linda came to us, I think she was about two a year later wow or yeah. three a year later so like it, it was you know it 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 became a very busy house a busier house yeah you know yeah. so you know three more three more kids in the house and, you know, it wasn't long before we had to build an extension on <laughs> and Things like that, Like you know, so, um, but again, like we just all kind of took it in our stride, you know, and once mom and dad said to us, like, this is, these are your brothers and sisters. That's
2: the way it was. That was accepted. You and, already had that kind of yeah. grounding from that natural community uh, spirit uh, already. Absolutely.
1: Mm. Like, you know, and, uh, it was. It was uh, it was the makings of myself and Paul, really, because you know it was kind of it it made us kind of look out on... on and there's a there's a bigger world out there and mm. suddenly there's a kind of a sense of responsibility too that you've you've younger brothers and sisters to kind of look, look after as well like you know you know being at the eldest obviously and the kind of this responsibility while it's not ever really spoken to you about you kind of assume it and you take it on. So not only did I feel I had to look after the other lad. You know, <laughs> suddenly there was, you know, David three and, the, and, and three more, like, you know. What yeah. was but Sharon
0: like as a child? Can you remember?
1: Sharon, I, I remember when Sharon came first, she was, she was very quiet, you know, yeah. naturally enough. And, but I think herself and David kind of had each other yes. as well. Yeah. And I suppose we, I remember sort of being very, it didn't take very long for her to kind of open up. And, you know, just sort of fit right in. Mm. I think it was interesting too having Grandad there as well, you know, um, because I suppose Grandad, he would have been a, a, a very wise old man, took everything in his life, very laid back. And he would have, he always had a great love of kids. Do you know what I mean? The children pick up and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he was very natural with them and, and things like that. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to think it's because they, they felt what we felt growing up pretty quickly. wonderful you know what it was like to be in the house but not just in the house but on the on the road or in the street or with the neighbors and things like that like you know so um, not only were was it that kind of straight away they were our brother and sister and and we accepted them that way but the whole community did you know they were they were Sharon David and Linda Whelan from day one you know so that's that's the way it was and you know it it was it was fantastic it was lovely you know?
0: and what about Zara and Nadia when they came along, what were they like?
1: Well the when when Zara got to say Sharon's age, then I could see a lot of Sharon in her. Do you know what I mean? The same sort of diplomat and lesson <laughs> <messed in> and <laughs> you know where um she was kind of very much the apple of her grandparents i mum and dad like right, you know yes. they we had moved to wine gap at this stage so a uh, sort of very different dynamic there because Mom was from wine gap originally and she always said she always wanted to go back, there, back she said, there. You know. but um yeah zara would have been she would have spent a lot of time with nanny and granddad you know yes. the dad would be involved in wine gap hurling and he just lived beside the pitch so he'd be the one getting the pitches ready for matches and things like that and zara mm. would be the one going around putting the flags in the ground and, uh, and all that wow. like, you know so and mum and dad would be the ones picking her up from school because sharon could be, would be working you know what That's i mean lovely. so they would be minding her until sharon came back like you know But yeah very you know we'd see photographs of sharon at that age and zara at that age so alike, and very alike. yeah 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 very much so you know and
0: naddy was so young she was only two
1: naddy was only two yeah and uh again uh with with Nadia as well uh, shortly before she died we were kind of getting ready for her going into um kind of a special needs school because she had been diagnosed with um with uh, autism but they weren't sure where she kind of was on the scale 100%. and uh Zara has uh, was actually diagnosed as well that she was on the autism scale again but they weren't sure so we were the family I suppose Sharon Orso was kind of Gear instead of up to, you know, getting them ready for for the school that they're going to be going into and that their needs are going to be met. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't that never came to be. You know, no. unfortunately, but um, yeah, we cherished the we cherished the time we had with them. And uh, what uh, I mean?
0: that's what I found with um, Lisa, my sister. The memories, you know, it's mm. it's those memories that get you through it, isn't mm. it? The joy um, of looking back on the good times we've had, mm. as uh, uh, as short as they may have been, mm. in the girls with Sarah mm. and that have been so young, but I have no doubt they have filled your lives with so much joy that you can hold on to that love.
1: Absolutely, and I suppose the fact is that it was so short. Yes, you know, and you know, you you do look back and and it might sound i don't know how it sounds but kind of you you really do appreciate that time yes you know even though it should still be happening today it should um it's it's kind of yeah they that the memories become more vivid more colorful yes more uh louder in your in your memory yeah because i think you you're you're there's a fear there that if you forget Yes. That you, you 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 visit them every now and again, but you 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 want to stay with them because I don't know if yeah. if you feel like this that sometimes oh, you might. Yes. Oh, what if I what if I forget what I, they look like? What if I forget? I know. You know, but you, you know, yeah, photographs and all that. But in your mind's eye, you need
0: those memories. Yeah,
1: you know, and when you go back, it's kind of like you you, you um, it's more intense memories, and, and and you, you you need that you feel because there's a fear there that maybe, you know, is are they going to diminish in your mind? They never will, I know No, but there's the fear. But there's the fear that, that what, if, what if they do? And that, we don't like the what
0: if. And we don't mm. want the what if. No. And I remember even the Lee, I found that Lisa was murdered. Mm. I remember sitting on the bench in my sister's house, shaking and going, I need to think about the memories. I need to keep remember the memories mm. I had with Lisa. I, remember, I need to remember and last week. I need mm. to remember all these things. There was this panic in my mind, exactly mm. like that. Because if I had the memories, then I still had, had her with me. Mm. And that's what it was for me at that time, mm. and still is. It is. And they come back now clearer yeah. because I'm in a better place. I mean, yeah. it's nine years gone, ten years for me, and I know it's ten years gone. It'll yeah, be gone eleven yeah. with, with yeah. your family, yeah. um, and it's it's a different normal, isn't it? You it's a different
1: normal, and I suppose it's 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 even more intense for for us because you know a lot of the the photographs that we did did have of Sharon she always wanted them back she ah. wanted to hold out them yeah. so unfortunately when the house went up on fire an awful lot of photographs were have had gone and they're gone forever it's terrible. you know and i suppose that's what the, the few photographs we have yes you know we cherish but but i suppose when the, it's in your it's it's in your mind it's those memories that you really you know in your in your quiet moments when you're sitting in the greenhouse having a cup of tea yes you know and you look out the greenhouse and you see the swing that you know, Zara used to be on, and you remember. Of course, but it's so vivid; it's you can actually see them. Yes, you know, yeah, and you I, need that. I t- you do need that. You know, and it's and that's okay. Yeah. It's actually more than okay. It's necessary. It's it's it vital, is. actually. You know? Yeah. To keep you going
0: it is and yeah. somebody said to me recently you know don't be afraid you know when you go through what we have go through you nearly expect the worst and you, you know you can be preconditioned for it and there's a an... but if you don't have the joy if you don't keep the joy in your life now it's the joy that gets you through when those moments happen in life and you need them badly and I always say you need to live in a good space now and expect the best and if you can do that if the worst happens it's the best that will get you through it you know and you need that sometimes I, th-
1: I think you're right uh, I think you know for for me after Sharon the Lance had passed away I suppose I went through a period where I would have been very depressed I would have suffered a lot from anxiety I still do suffer from anxiety, It's something I kind of struggle with every day um, but I acknowledge it, I'm aware of it I'm finding ways of coping with it because I know it's not going to go away fully but I, I've found uh, the tools to kind of deal with it when it's there and first of all, is acknowledge that it's there. But I find that I need to kind of step back sometimes and and just say to myself that there are things in this life that I have no control over. There's things in this life that I have control over. And once I can t- sort of define the difference between the two and identify the difference between the two, the things I have no control over, I'm I'm getting better at letting go. Yes. The things I have control over, I try and do something about. Okay, because it, yes. it, it gives me um, a sense of that I'm in control of it and makes me less anxious about yeah. stuff, yes. you know, because we worry about things that sometimes we have no control over. Absolutely. And that can cause us to go insane because we're trying to fix things that are not fixable, are not in our gift to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's about, okay, I have no, it's like worrying about the weather. Yeah. We have no control over it. It is what it is. If it's bad, you put on a coat. So that's it. That's the way I, I'm i trying to rewire my brain to think that way. And it is a skill and it can be learnt. Yeah. You know, it is a learnt skill.
0: It
1: is. You know, so, but you kind of keep, you keep have to train in yourself to
2: keep going that way, you know?
0: Absolutely.
2: Would you find that people outside of the immediate family, like, you know, whether they be friends or you know, even distant relatives, that they might not recognize that? And I, I've often said this to Angela. You know where i've had maybe would have explained why angela reacts a certain way to other people like they might think it's an overreaction over something like angela's a fear of dogs <clears throat> she always had a fear of dogs and then after everything she's been through once we had kids that fear grew larger and more intense because angela's experienced as you have too life-wrenching change in a moment where people have been ripped out of your lives for forever. So that every that cuddly dog that everyone else is loving and petting, Angela, she doesn't see a ferocious dog going to eat her child or anything like that, but it's her in, internal anxiety that's making her react to want to protect every, everything and everyone. And I, I know like these are the knock on the chain of, of events that people don't recognize. They see the stuff in the tabloids, they appreciate, the immediate response and they're, they're very you know open and giving mm. and, and helpful in that regard but i don't think you know lucky enough and hopefully like i don't and i've always said it i was with angela through it all but i don't have a i have no idea what she's been through mm. and touch wood i, mm. I never will either mm. and nor will hopefully most of mm. uh, I mean the mm. listeners that are listening right now but i think a compassionate basis for other people might be you know because we're all so quick to judge everyone but then again who are we to judge somebody who's been through anything that's been traumatic whether that's been a loss of a, a person in their life or you know a traumatic uh, car accident or whatever absolutely their triggers could be something completely different than the episode that they've been through mm. and the lifelong episode that they're going through mm. but people aren't seeing the correlation they're just no, seeing oh, they're overreacting or yeah. they're panicking or yeah. they're yeah. freaking out over this yeah would but, you find you'd see that yeah you would see that i think it's it's interesting what you said like triggers i mean
1: if if nothing ever happened in our lives, bad, we still we'd still have a trigger. Something would trigger a fear and anxiety in But because you've experienced something so traumatic, and something that has changed your life forever, when, when something like this happens, emotionally, mentally, and sometimes physically, you are changed forever. You're not the same person you were. You never will be the same person you were. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to a point where. And I've, I've realized this now, like I said, it's nearly 11 years. And in that time, I've kind of learned, well, I'm not that same person. I'm not the same person then because of what's happened as well. And I have had to learn to get to know myself a bit better again. I needed to kind of reassess where I am. And those, I suppose, those triggers that might trigger me weren't the same as they were then. They're there. They were always there, but they're heightened now because of what has happened, if you know what I mean. Yes. You know, it's the it, it, it nearly taps into a very primitive part of the brain where it's kind of the fight right. or flight thing. Yes. You know, and so because you've experienced a trauma, the not only does the does your emotional self and your mental self remember, the body remembers, you know. Yes. So something that might have triggered you before, when it happens after a traumatic event, I believe. Yes. That the, the, the trigger is nearly twice as big, you know. And it is because, I think, of what happened, yeah. you know. Um, the the big thing for me afterwards was for about, f- up until pretty recently, I'd say up until the last maybe two or three years, I found that the the people, and, and I suppose I'm going to put it kind of really bluntly, the people that I, I've, I love and, and family members and people I really care about from that time up to about two or three years ago i found myself trying to distance myself from them mm. if you know what i mean do. try to keep them at arm's length in case anything happened to them yeah. mm. or in case anything happened to me yes. because i know what that would put them through and what they'd feel or what i would feel if anything happened to them um because i didn't want to feel what i felt when you know, last yeah so while I was doing that to protect myself um, I was also there was a cost to that and it, it the cost is the relationships with those people yes. that care for you so it's only when I came to that realization that I actually started to allow those people back in if that yeah, makes any sense the, literal, the, the the barrier was up to kind of keep people out because yes, when you let people in, you know your brain is telling you they're, they're going to go away and this is how you're going to feel. I know. So... It's a tough love kind It's of a tough thing love now. thing, yeah. <laughs> so basically, you're going through the motions with them and, it's you know... But uh, emotionally, you're not available to them. No,
0: I know. You know,
1: and it's only in the last while I kind of started to to realise that that there's actually... There's nothing in that for anybody if you no. keep going down that road. Because what you're going to do is you're going to isolate yourself to such a degree is that you're you will have nobody, only yourself, yeah. you know? And the hope is that we have many, many more years
2: exactly.
1: of, of life and it's kind of like, what do I had to say to them, what do I want to do with them? Yes. Do I want to keep going like this or do I want to say enough is enough and take that chance again and let these people back in?
0: And what was that like when you let them back in?
1: Um, it's, it's wonderful, really, because again, I suppose we're back to the, the way I was thinking things I had no control over and things I had control over. I had control over this, but I didn't realise I had. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I, I took that back and I said, well, I can either choose to let you in or choose not to. But if I don't let you in, I'm actually the one that's losing out. Absolutely. You know, and so it's about surrounding yourselves with those people. And I suppose it's, the, it's the, the people that care for you and stand by you and look after you, give you the strength to do things like... An, doing tonight with you guys absolutely. and you know whether you have to do something on the television or on the radio um
0: your support system your
1: support system yeah you know you come home from doing something and you've you've done that yourself you know yeah, you, you come it, home and you're just you're just exhausted you're you just crash, and because you're emotionally mentally physically drained you know and you you your, your batteries need to be recharged you, you need to plug in at home
0: you do you need mm-hmm. that love you
1: do that yeah comfort. absolutely
0: and I, I, when you were saying that, I, I read a story recently where a man who was in his 60s and he was saying um, he'd experienced a loss when he was younger, a sibling. And um, it was, so he, his wife, he had his wife and everything else, but he never really got too involved in things. He always kind of kept a safe distance with everybody because the same thing, I don't want to get hurt. And they're in their 60s and just about to retire and they're in a car crash and his wife dies. Mm. And he says, you know what, in that moment he realized, he said, that It was all for nothing. That he had kept that distance for nothing because it didn't help him in dealing with the loss that he was going through now. Mm -hmm. As in, it was to protect himself from it. Mm -hmm. But he he said if he could go back, he would have cherished all of those moments with his wife and not have feared them, not have feared what would happen. I
2: totally get that.
0: You know, because it didn't make a difference (coughs) to him anyway. No, When it came to it, Mm -hmm. it was like he had no love to fill it with because he had all the regrets. So he was like... It's the love that fills that regret, Uh, you know, that moment when the tragedy strikes. It's that love, and as we were talking about, the memories, that fills that void. And it's the love that you have with Sharon, your sister and your nieces Zara and Nadia and I had with Lisa and we had with our baby Isla. And all of those things, the little moments that, you know, you have with, even if they're just small memories or whatever that may be, it's Mm. that love that gets you through it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of comes down to that choice of, like I said, do, do I keep doing what I'm doing and just keep everyone at arm's length and, and just go through life kind of existing? Or do I break down that barrier because I'm the only one that can do it or we're the only ones that can do it and say, look, I'm going to cherish every minute I have with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because right now, you're not gone. You're here with me now. And I need to live now. I can't live tomorrow or the day after or four years or five years from now. You know, I yes. can't do that, and that's what I was trying to do. I was preparing myself to lose people close to me, and not wanting to feel what I felt before. You know, but it's not worth it. No,
2: mm.
1: it's just not worth it. You end up isolating yourself from friends, family, community, and when that happens, then, and I see it in the work I do, uh, in the addiction services, that you are more likely to become addicted to substances if you are isolated from friends, family, and community. Um, it's my firm belief, again, just to digress a little bit into the whole addiction thing, is that the, for me, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And mm-hmm. if we don't feel connected to people, community, family, mm-hmm. we become isolated. And when we become isolated, we feel pain. Okay? And to deal with that pain, we need to take our medicine to make that pain go away. And whether it's alcohol, whether it's cocaine, whether it's heroin, whether it's hash, whether it's whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. Whatever works, works. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, so for for me, when I work with people, the way I work with people is, again, there's usually a trauma involved. There's usually a disconnect. Uh, So it's working within that and getting them to kind of either, first of all, to connect to themselves and then reconnect with friends family community it doesn't really matter where you start but just to find that one connection and to build on that those foundations
2: then you know so it doesn't always work but you know and john your training like uh, we were speaking before we started recording you used to work in <coughs> dublin steel in kilkenny mm. and you worked there for 16 years and yeah uh, when did you start the train you 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 were' in City in at the time you
1: i was in i was in City at the time yeah um I just wanted to change I had a, a brother in law who was a family therapist and um I was always fascinated by the work and I was often talking to him about it and when I was working in Duggan's, I actually was um shop steward in there so again that's I suppose, come with me father, the, the, the strong trade unionists, you know, I suppose, yeah. trying, to, trying to please them in some way or whatever, but I, I enjoyed it actually. I got to a point where I I, I got more from representing the lads as a trade union uh, rep than I, I kind of did in the job. I, was, I, I just felt I was going over in the job and I wasn't enjoying the job and I felt, especially after the tragedy, when I went back to work, it had, I nearly said it had changed, it hadn't, I had changed and... Mm the the people in there had had changed too because I found that, that and true no fault of their own I suppose they didn't really know how to talk to me about it. I didn't mm. really know how to respond to it. Not for me. So I, I spoke to my brother in law and he said there's um there's a small little cert course starting through minute in the Kilkenny campus on uh counseling skills. He said I think you should give it a go because I think it'll suit you. Um mm. And again, I was—I think I was 35 at the time, 36 at the time. So I said, I should "Look, I've nothing to lose." So I went in and I did it, I absolutely loved it, and I haven't looked back. You know, it's—it's yeah. um, it's something that I feel now. I mean, i, I don't go to work every day. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I, I go in there and do—you <coughs> like, you know, things, <coughs> doing something you love. You, never anything, you know, and I suppose I found—I found a niche. now, I found the, the, the part I'm, what I'm—what feels right. You know, but like, it. <laughs> it took me long enough to find it, but I got there. But
2: maybe it was my time then to do it. Then I don't know. How long after the the tragedy that you tragedies that you experienced mm. did you go back into to that cert course? Um, the the
1: cert course was finished, and I was actually two years into my degree with. Um, with PCI in Dublin who would be uh, doing the course through Middlesex University in London. They had the campus, they had a campus in Kilkenny. So okay. my, my training was being done in there. So in in the group that was being trained with me, I think there was about 20 people. And I have to say PCI College in Dublin were absolutely fantastic with me. They couldn't have done enough for me. Um, Willie Egan was the tutor at the time. And, you know, I'm great admiration for Willie. I, I really look up to him as a as a person and as a tutor. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, I owe him a lot. He, he really, he probably doesn't know this, but he he really got me through that time. God, you know, yeah. the, just have an ear to go in there a Tuesday and start to look, you take your time, John, you don't have to, you know, can me do and all that, like, you know, and mm-hmm. Funnily enough, like as I was doing the course, I found out that actually Willie and my father actually played soccer together years right. and years that ago. That's yeah, so a really strange one, but anyway, it's right, yeah. a small world. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that kind of got me, got me through that, that. I found that really, really supportive, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it gave me a focus as well uh, because I learned a lot in there. And that's where the, the seed for, I suppose, looking after yourself was sown in, in my mind was in there um uh, and, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier about yes. of looking after yourself and how yes. important that is because sometimes we we see we we don't give ourselves enough attention and we 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 feel like we, do, we don't deserve to be kind of we're, we're fine you know, we need to be looking after everybody else, but if you're not looking after yourself, you're not going to be in a position to look after anybody else. You know?
0: we, need, we need to nurture
1: ourselves. We need to nurture ourselves. As we spoke about the self-care thing, you know, and it's to take the take the, the selfishness out of self-care is really, really important. Like, you know, and I think we can, there's um, the conversation to be had around that. Like, we don't pay enough attention to ourselves and ask, ask ourselves, okay, what's going on for me right now? How am I feeling right now? You know? what happened today, what what triggered me, whatever it was, and just to process, give yourself time to process the day or process the week or whatever it might have been, you know, because we're
2: usually running around looking after everybody else and we don't give ourselves two minutes, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you need to do that. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And do you reckon that, that having that course and being involved in that course, like everything is a building block into where, who you are today. Mm. And I suppose that that was probably a great foundation or, or maybe it was the the structure for you to become the voice that you are today
1: yeah i i think look looking back on it i i think that it it definitely was a huge help like i said to get me through kind of what was happening
2: mm. um just want to highlight there like how amazing is that college to realize it because like courses have curriculums and they have yeah deadlines and due dates and the whole lot yeah but it, Life isn't a perfect square that fits yeah. into a perfect square hole, yeah. and it' great that your tutors appreciated that. Yeah, like,
1: you know? yeah, yeah. They were, they were, they kind of, they knew exactly what to say. They knew uh, exactly how to approach me. They, they didn't beat around the bush. They didn't walk on eggshells around me. Mm. They, they talked to me direct. But I mean, looking back on it now, I suppose that was their training as well. Yeah, they had that. They had that. And yeah. I was fortunate that they had that because I benefited from that, you yeah. know? And I suppose what I was learning in there, I was able to bring back to my family, yes. mm-hmm. you know, especially with, with mam And I remember like since, since the tragedy, every time I'm talking to her on the phone or, or when the conversation goes down where she gets kind of upset, yes. I do that. Every time before, you know, it's usually bye, 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 see you later, love you or whatever. Yeah. My last word to her all the time is to focus on what you have. Yes. Focus on what you have, ma.
0: Help her with her conditioning yeah. because of your training. Yeah,
1: just focus on what you have, ma. You know, and that's of if I know. She says, she says, I know. Yeah. And we leave the
0: conversation. And, and it's then. not just your ma'am, though. You've helped loads of people, including me, because by being a voice for Sharon and Zara and Nadia, you've also been a voice for families like myself who have lost a loved one through murder. And by speaking on countless media outlets but and um, speaking up for people like us you know looking for um justice and and change and why we can't change our situations <laughs> yeah. you're you're always so great at trying to help other people and you've been so open and yeah. you know welcoming to me and to everybody else um mm. in helping us to understand i suppose what we've gone through and how we can look at a fairer system
1: well that's that's a nice thing to say and thank you very much that's and true. Well, yeah, but it's it's kind of, I I never, I never thought, you never thought, or anyone in this situation ever thinks that they're going to have to do this. Yes. Mm. You know, never. Mm. Um, not for one second did I ever think that I would be doing this, or one for one second did I ever think I would be able to do this because, like, even growing up in school or for you know whatever. I was always very shy. I was always very self spoken. I wouldn't be the one to, you know, and maybe some of the teachers in the school might disagree, <laughs> but it was it. It didn't. It never comes naturally to me. Yes. You know, I I I always feel I'm kind of a little bit out of my comfort zone, putting myself out there.
0: But isn't it amazing that you have the courage then to put yourself out there because you're believing in something bigger than yourself?
1: Well, it's it's kind of like you're you're motivated to do it because again I'm going back to my sense of justice that was instilled in me by my father, my grandfather, my mother that if something is not fair or something is not just or something is not right it needs to be changed and there's two things you can do you can sit down and wait for someone else to come along and change it or you can you know just talk about it have a conversation name it this is wrong and it needs to be changed and if you say it enough times people will start to you know it will start to stick in people's minds that this is wrong it's wrong that if someone deliberately and calculatedly takes someone else's life that they're considered for parole after 7 years you know it's wrong that someone who has uh, a history of violence and maybe has 30 or 40 previous convictions gets out on bail and murders someone gets uh, a sentence where they're allowed out after seven years. You know, it's wrong to think that maybe in this country, the way the laws are at the moment, that you could have a situation uh, where 30 or 40 or 50 people are murdered, you know, and that person will still be treated the same as our perpetrators. You know?
0: You've seen it very clearly in the court though, um, with yeah. Sharon and the girls. I yeah. mean, could you tell us a bit about that, just the way the case went? I mean, yeah. it was shocking. Yeah. I think the whole country was in shock with yeah. how that sentencing went.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we went up we went up first on a Wednesday and we waited up there most of the day to be told that it was being put back to the following day. So we had to come back. Actually, there was a busload of was went up.
0: Which is awful, because I remember that the, the, you yeah. build yourself up for that court Course you case. Do. You're traumatized enough as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you yeah, yeah. have to go through that. Sorry. Again, yeah.
1: yeah. So we went up the second day, and we're it was the old four courts. We we're, were standing under the dome. And next day I look across the hall, and uh, I see Brian Hennessy coming in with his two guards or whatever. And he's literally standing not 20 feet away from me God. you know and we're waiting to, to go into the same room you know so we go in and we we were we're not even told where her to sit we were we just sat where we could find a space same. and we're sitting there and we might as a you know we might as well have just have been just ordinary members of, of the public that this had nothing to do with yeah. because the media kind of streamed in and they okay. sat in front of us we couldn't see what was happening mm-hmm. um i had to sort of prepare uh, a victim impact statement uh to the very late in the day when I was told i had to do this because there wasn't going to be a trial I you know cuz he um on the 11th hour admitting his guilt that's the yeah that's the phrase Which i got to a torture me really. yeah yeah absolutely
0: adding to it like.
1: yeah so i i wasn't expecting the the the, the way it was because i had to go up into the witness box and read the victim impact statement. I had to give it to the judge first.
0: I know, they have to screen mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, uh, to make sure it's okay. Yes. And uh, and then I, I read it out, and then I was, there was a couple of questions from the prosecution and the defense that I wasn't expecting, because I wasn't there as a witness. That's they strange. They, they asked me questions. I yeah. never
0: had that with mine, wow. that's yeah.
2: interesting. Uh,
1: so about who, who, uh, who, I, who I was, um, did I prepare the it myself? Um, I can't really remember other things offhand, but you know, I just found it very.
2: That's very unprofessional. Surely yeah. the, the solicitor or barrister should have already, you know, prepped him and told him Prepped them him and yeah. told him and, yeah. and, and like, aren't you not dealing with enough? Yeah. It feels exactly. very haphazard up there, though. But
0: when you're it? when
1: you're when you're there, and you are a rabbit in the headlights, you, you don't mm. know what procedure it is because it's so alien oh, to you. Okay. You see it on television. You read it in the papers, but you never think that you're going to be the one standing under that dome. No, you don't. And going to be the one that's walking into that courtroom, and not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. That the the sentence then was 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 handed down. The, the the judge excused the jury because of the guilty plea, and he handed down three sentences, to, three life sentences, two of which were to run consecutively. That's one after another. So there two to run concurrently, uh, sorry, one, and the other ones to run concurrently with those two, if you know what I mean. Now, there was a kind of a, a buzz went around the room and I didn't know why, you know, until one of the journalists, I could hear one of the journalists say to another journalist, that's really unusual. And I just tapped him on the shoulder and what do you mean? He says, the consecutive sentences very rarely have ever happened. You know, yes. and this thing, the judge went on to explain that because of the seriousness of, of this, the fact that he didn't plead guilty until the 11th hour, that he denied everything right up to then, uh, that, that he felt that this was the just sentence to, to Barry White, the judge at the time. Yeah. I actually met Barry White after. Did you? I did, and I asked him about the sentence, why he felt it's consecutive instead of concurrent. And his simple answer to me was, he says, that's what he deserved. He did deserve that. He, but he probably knew it was going to be overturned in appeal anyway, in the appeals court. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, but when they handed down the the sentence, um Detective Jim Ling was there. Uh there was three or four other guards. There was um uh a guard from Cannon, I can't think of her name but she was she was absolutely brilliant with this uh and still is. She calls out the scenes Yeah and uh, Garda McKennedy was our liaison officer and a great time for Mick, Mick was absolutely brilliant with us. See me every now and again. But um, when that sentence was handed down, um, you could see the emotion in their faces. Those one or two of them were openly crying. Yeah. Because they were so happy.
0: To see some sense of justice. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That this guy got what he deserved. Because yeah. the, the hard, the work they put in to get the evidence and all that. like, My And mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was fate or whether it was people believe in miracles or, or, or divine intervention or whatever. But when the house was burnt down, Sharon's room was the only room that was left untouched. Yeah, the so house cool. collapsed in on itself. And that room. Um, Why
0: was that important, John?
1: Because there, there was there was evidence in that room. You know, um,
0: because he could have gone away with it had all of
1: if all if all the evidence had gone and all all um, every every one and everything had been burnt. My God, he could still be walking around today. You know. Oh,
0: that gives me shivers. The yeah. thoughts. Yeah. So that was divine intervention. Yeah. Well, it was um,
1: something. That, the, even the, the lads in the fire brigade were saying, "We don't know what's keeping that there." That's
0: amazing, really. You know?
1: you think of it like yeah. that. And only for that. We would not have had the forensic evidence to, to nail them, you know. But um, yeah. So it, it was um. And then you have to. Kind of prepare yourself. Then someone said to me, uh the all oh, the press outside. You won't have to say something. And like you're not you're not ready for that. Like it's okay. kind of like you have to go off somewhere into a corner and prepare a statement. Like, I know. You know, like you're writing it on the back of a fag box or something. It's like, very you're trying to get fragile, doesn't like, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, but I do remember. I do remember for some reason saying that it was very important to get that message across that that we, we kind of a born no animosity towards the Hennessy family That just it was this one man who had to take responsibility for what he did mm-hmm. you know that his hands they died yeah. by his hands Absolutely. not his parents hands or his brother's hands or his sister's hands or anything like that it was, it was his hands that yeah. that did this because I was kind of conscious we were living in a small community and people you know, you know, have yeah. to get on with their lives too, and things like that, and everyone knows each other, and
0: and it's awful that you feel that sense of responsibility then as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was kind you're, of you're traumatized enough.
1: We're traumatized enough because his, his 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 parents came down to see my parents after he was arrested because they would have known each other as they grew up. <sighs> Men would have grown up with them go to school and things like that, and they came down and knocked on the door, and what are do you doing? They, do in that they just the, the the mother and father. They just. Absolutely, just broke down. They were in bits. And I, I remember my mother just just hugging his mother, and nothing was really said. I know. But a lot was said. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was it. They just, they, I don't know, they just, they, I didn't, there was nothing else. Like I left them alone. Say. Yeah, they were just at the front door and I kind of left them alone. Um, They just kind of walked away then and, and, I
2: don't think I did. They never things. expected to have a son that was going to do no. No one rears their children you see to do not that. Right. No. no one does. not. You don't. I mean,
0: in our case, I didn't know um, Gerald family. You know, I actually don't know them. Mm-hmm. My father went to school with his father, and he was quite fond of him. Mm. But for me, because I I didn't know the family, I if they stood in front of me, I actually don't know what they look like yeah. I don't really remember seeing them in the courtroom that day so we didn't have that same situation yeah. but because of that it wouldn't have made sense and my counsellor at the time had said to me it wouldn't make sense for you to connect with the family for that reason because you don't have a relationship a previous relationship yeah. if, you, if you did have a previous relationship you would understand that if you knew them like yeah. your family you'd known each other that's different. But you don't know the person. What do you say? Because there's nothing that can be said. No. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in that situation. So many lives have been turned upside down by one person's evil action. Yes. Has rippled through so many lives. Yeah. I mean, I see the domino effect that it's had on several people in my family. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it go, and it'll go through the ages if you don't stop it. If you yeah, don't it try it. It will it. go through the, the it ages. Will, it will that,
1: go through the ages because at the time, like my eldest lad, would have been he would have been 10, ten. and Lex chap would have been three or four
0: so really close to the girls
1: yeah so this is kind of all around Christmas time like I, I, don't, I don't I don't remember Christmas with, with the two boys I don't remember How at could all you,
0: though?
1: nothing I don't have any recollection of
0: that
1: day anything Christmassy with them yes. at all um
0: Because it was Christmas Eve, it happened, and you found out on Christmas Day, John. Christmas
1: morning, yeah. Seven o'clock, we got a phone call to say that the the house was on fire, so we thought it was an accident, you know. Yes. And maybe Christmas lights or something like that, and they said they're not, they couldn't find them, they're not there, and I said, you know, you know, check around the grounds. I'm sure Sharon got the lads out, or they could be up with because my my aunt Eileen lived up just up the road at the time, literally fifty yards up the road, hundred yards up the road. Maybe she's gone up there. Hoping. Hoping, you know. Um, but I was just, I mean, I was outside with the phone when I was walking up the gable end of the house. I, don't think, I just think I had trachearons on me and I had no, nothing on my feet. I remember when was so cold, but it was like I was, it like, it was like I was above looking down at myself walking up and down. of body. That's, that's the memory I have. I've have no actual memory of, being outside I have a memory I've seen myself being outside I know it's a strange thing to no,
0: say no it's not I get that it was
1: really weird yeah. you know and then I have no recollection I don't know how many times I would have travelled from Pasta to up in that time
0: you can't remember I can't remember
1: I, I, re- I remember being at home I remember uh, mum and dad being angry with the with the priest because he at the time he's, he's passed on since but for whatever reason he, he found it very difficult to come down and spend time in the house with them um yeah yeah i i I found that really hard because my dad would be fairly devout and they'd be fairly very devout yeah and they've always felt let down by the church i suppose around that time um i remember getting a message of condolences from the president at the time mary McAleese, and the the priest the priest actually got the message and he didn't even come down to the house to give it to us he waited till we were up in the church
0: was he not able to cope with? That I, don't was, no. to do back, with I don't think he was. did not know what to do with it. Yeah. I don't
1: think he was. I don't. I don't think. I think it was too big for him. Um, so shocking. Yeah, and I, 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 understand it a little bit more now. At the, at the time, I was really angry with him, you know. But now, yeah, it
2: was, it was a big thing for him. Time, said, yeah. time changes a a perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for you, like he had no choice, but. Uh, you know march on like you didn't have the option of not visiting a house it was your house every every one of your families were affected by it like and absolutely other people can choose not to visit you not show support yeah you're 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 stuck in it we're we're there but
1: i have to say that the 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 people around wine cap and kilmagani and kilkenny uh, have been or were and still are absolutely fantastic. You know, yeah. I mean, seeing yourself the the, the mass see. we had inside. Oh, the mass like, was beautiful. Just yeah. the support
0: so, there and the love.
1: There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 really it's great to know that you have that support. And I suppose anytime, anytime you do put yourself out there as regards media and, and, and highlighting things that are wrong, those messages you get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it might be it does encourage you to kind of stay going do you know what yes. i mean people believe me in it, it because yeah
0: they yeah. are Stephen, and you're right and we, we spoke about this earlier because and you just said it because no one expects to be in that situation and no. we are just normal people no. going about our lives yeah. and that's what it is isn't yeah. it people need to and they need people like you john and yeah. you know and that's what people realize that there's somebody like you there in the world that's speaking up and you know, helping people and yeah. there's a comfort in that for people like us, you yeah. know, that there is somebody like that's leading. The well, we,
1: we, we try. And I think the fact that I, I know we, we did that KCLR program together. Yes. And as a result of that, you know, we started talking to each other. Absolutely. You know, we, we started to talk, you know, Kathleen came on board, Paddy came on board, you know, the guys in Dublin came on board. All and the some, members of SAVE. All the SAVE members are there now. And it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're not just, uh, you know, uh, one voice in the wilderness anymore this thing is is hopefully starting to grow yes. and you're i think yeah the group yeah i think so and i think it's it's encouraging to see that happening when you feel a bit of momentum behind you and we're back to that thing about feeling connected again yes. you start to feel connected to that group you know yes. it does it does motivate you to keep going and say it to yourself and it becomes easier to do media stuff it and it's does. never easy it no. becomes a little bit easier to do it because you're you're, You've you're, got a support system behind you. You've got your, a support system, exactly that, that's which it. It, it's not, I never see it as my voice, it's Sharon's voice, it's Nadia's voice, it's Zara's voice, it's a voice for everyone that has lost someone and it's a voice, our voices are those people that have gone.
0: Yeah, and we're still,
1: and, we're still and unfortunately we are the voices for those that are yet to go as well. Absolutely. You know, and I think are. that's really, really important that for, for people to realise because whatever changes Come because of what we're doing, it'll have no effect on us or our cases. No, we
0: can't mm. change the sentencing. We can't no. change the length of our sentences. <coughs> no. Our, 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 um, no, murders. But
1: there's an awful lot that could be done, that's not being done. You know, when I, I personally feel that, when you look at the resources that the state puts into, um, the funds, the funds things. for for perpetrators and looking after their rights and things like that, but that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. But the scale needs to be balanced. Because what you, is it
0: at the moment, John? What way is if, for,
1: it? for example, I, uh, this is an old figure now, but I think we're going back about four or five years ago. When I was in Advic, I saw a figure where there was 50 million spent one year on legal aid. 15? 50. 50? 50. 50 million on legal aid. Okay, The taxpayer dollar. Yes. When you compare that to what's been... Uh, sort of uh, put counseling. towards uh, counseling right. services or support services for victims and their families. When I was with Advic we were getting twenty five thousand from the Department of Justice to provide a counselling for the year. For how many people? For h- however many was on the on the books that needed counselling at the time. Um, twenty five thousand.
0: No, and fifty million, twenty five thousand.
1: Yeah. Now that's that's just legal aid, so you have other things as well, like how much it is being spent pocket on pocket money, pocket money, the sweet shops, uh, the uh, the education side of things, like the, the, the degrees and all that. Like I said, I don't really have an issue with that. No, that you that's don't. fine. But I mean, balance it, but balance it. Mm. You know, it's I I feel we need to take examples like what's happening across the water in England, um, that they have. I I think this what we need to happen here is that there needs to be a state funded. Agency that its specific job is to look after uh, victims of homicide because mm-hmm.
0: I didn't feel we were looked after.
1: I didn't feel like we no, were looked after no. either.
0: Like, don't no. get me wrong, I like counseling, <coughs> sport after homicide, the counseling service, mm. they yeah, looked after me, yeah. but I felt there, mm. we just got lost now. Like, like, you with a lovely sergeant on yeah. the case and Sergeant McSly at the time, and but he was very supportive, be... and, and different people like that were supportive. But I mean, the system itself. But it seemed to be us.
2: that the nice people you were encountering in the legal system, the guards or whatever, told you certain things that you know if they hadn't have thought of it, maybe you wouldn't have known. It, it didn't seem like you know. I don't want to sound too clinical about it, but you know when you go through such things, these are the things that are available to you. You can contact all these number. It's it's like dealing with somebody in a. In a finance department that doesn't want to give you money, but you're entitled to stuff. Yeah, that that's the way I kind of felt. Yeah, you you did get in contact with a, a lady by the name of Rita, who was brilliant for you. Um, but it, there wasn't much else outside of that. Um, and is it is it that most of the cells as well have? Some form of entertainment system as well, like whether it be TV, Xbox, all this. As as far as I
1: know, there is yeah, and if if it's not in individuals, they would have sort of communal areas where they'd have TVs
2: and. And for the majority of people, no matter what they do, yeah, they're not forced or in even well, they're encouraged to do rehabilitation programs or as counseling, but they're not. Not made it. No, so they're not. You can no. go along and murder ten people, so yeah. 15 years, yeah. you're out in 15 years. Yeah. You've not done anything to yeah. rehabilitate your mind yourself or anything. No, I really, think I think you've hit a really important word there, as far as I'd be concerned, is rehabilitation.
1: Can someone who's capable of doing be rehabilitated? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And what does that look like? Yeah, I'd like that to look know like? how would you go about that? I suppose as as a counselor or a therapist, you know, I wouldn't know where. To start with something or someone like that Mm -hmm. now maybe uh, you know it's it's outside my skill set but you know what how do how do you go about rehabilitating someone who decides whether that person is rehabilitated or not you know and what can we
0: do what can we do now what do you think um, would save and what is it that people need to do
1: i think personally i think a good place to start would be to Treat victims and their families equally. Yes. You know, SAVE stands for sentencing and victim equality. And I think we need to look at victim equality here. I think resources need to be put in to providing a service for families that, God forbid, if they lose someone in the morning, the way we lost somebody, that there's an agency there or a service there that can step in and say, look, this person is going to work with you from day one until you do not need this person again absolutely whatever distance or however long that takes now this person will be trained in the court system this person can be trained as a counselor you know they they, they um
0: take it by the hand and walk yeah you
2: through it. they have they have them in england
0: because yeah. you need that
2: job. yeah and for yeah, you to be able to dip in as you need it because then yeah. you know i know in angela's case like you know sometimes you would have thought that you know i'm fine now again and then something will trigger or absolutely whatever, or something will, oh, time triggers. will just happen time will trigger it and it's uh, usually you know
1: it's going to be triggered every couple of years with parole yeah you know that's something else that can be I mean I Wife think are, have to you're holding you. your
2: breath every time that's happening. Of course, yeah. Like it's
1: yeah yeah, yeah 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 so you you're you're trying to move on and the the, the state is compliant in your misery that's mm-hmm. how I look at it Absolutely. The, the, it, it probably doesn't realize it's doing it it's trying to be fair but there is no fairness in it. Mm. They, you're trying to move on, and you're being held back by the collar, by an arm of the state.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Writing letters, pleading for them to do their job, basically. Yeah.
2: And the letters that they can, the prisoners then can read. Yes. Yet you can't see any of the stuff that they read no. or partake in, or no. So yeah. there is, there is no equality in the, in the
1: system. No. And when you look at sentencing, I mean, in in you know most the civilized. Uh, countries in the world. You look at Australia, New Zealand, in England, they have what's called whole life tariffs for people who have committed these horrible crimes. What well, it should be like. What it, it should be like. And we I'm asking why can't why can't we do it here? When when you look at that that poor girl in Australia who was was raped and murdered. You look oh, yeah. at that girl in Wales. Yeah. Sorry, what yeah. was her name? Jill yeah? Maher. Jill Maher and Catherine Going in Wales. Yeah. Both of those guys got 36, 38 years, I think, respectively, right, in two different jurisdictions. They will have to serve those sentences before they're even considered for parole. So when that's they reach deterrent. it, yeah, so they, they won't necessarily get out when they reach those years. That's where they're considered for parole. Mm-hmm. We're considered people for parole after seven, seven years, you know. So, but look, I, I think that's that's where things need to start. It's, it's not the judiciary's fault. It's not the justice system's fault. They imp- are implementing the laws that are made by the lawmakers. The mm-hmm. lawmakers are in the Dáil and the Senate.
0: So it's a government issue.
1: It's a government issue, it's a parliament issue, it's a social issue, it's a national issue that needs to be addressed and dealt with because, like I said, no one knows. You know, there's an awful lot in the, the EU Victims Directive as regards victims' rights, the right to information, the right to feel safe, the the right to be heard, the the, the right not to be re victimised. Yes. All those things are, are, are in it. And I think it's it's worth reading because I think it's it's probably the most important piece of legislation that that has come into this country. And I I, I say come into this country. It hasn't it didn't originate in this country. Mm-hmm. It had to come in from Europe mm-hmm. uh yeah in, in many many years. So it's it's a small step in the right direction of putting victims and their families in the center right. rather than in the periphery. Because what happens is that, and you know this as well, that once you lose someone or someone is murdered, okay, what happens is the state steps in, you're pushed onto the sideline of the pitch, you're told to stand over there, we'll take it from here, mm-hmm. and they do their thing. Okay, so you're a bystander and you're an observer with no voice no input no nothing and they come back to you and say this is what's happened mm. thanks very much and good luck That's mm. it. you're left to your own devices then mm. whereas a perpetrator has been sentenced to life okay so this is where you're going to go this is what you're going to do you have your daily routine you can go back to college you can go to school you can educate yourself You can work out, out. the gym is there, do all these things. Counseling
0: services are there. Counseling
1: services are there, okay? So what's taken from them is their liberty. Okay? But what's taken from us Mm. is far more than than that. You know, our lives have been destroyed. Mm. And we are left to our own devices to pick up the pieces. The state does not help you do that. And I suppose that's the biggest change I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that that agency be set up where it's where it needs to be. Maybe half justice system, half HSC, whatever agencies need to be involved.
0: that fifty million. Yeah,
1: yeah, oh, yeah. yeah at at yeah, a minimum. And more. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 we look at what what resources are put in to the perpetrators and compare that the 50 million is only at the tip of the iceberg. I would think there's loads of other things that we could we could talk about and look at as well uh, about what's, And like I said, I'm i I'm, I'm not for that stuff being taken away from them. No, that that's fine. That's not. grand. Yeah. But what I am saying, why can't the same resources be be put into the, the families and the and the victims' families? You know, there's
0: always a family left behind.
1: Exactly. You know, and I think that the the, the stage is very quick to step up to its res- responsibilities to the perpetrator and their rights. Mm. You know, because it's it's um, maybe there's some bigger kudos to be gotten from doing that.
2: Anyone that's listening, do, do you think it's possible for people to self evaluate and recognise them their, them traits? I'm usually generalising here now, so forgive mm. me. But is it possible for people to recognise before and and seek help? Before they go off, and uh, like if they're having these dark thoughts, and then they take drink or drugs on top of that. Now it wasn't the, the case with either yeah. cases here, but yeah. do you think that that is going on? To know that they're going to do something and choose, nah, I'm not going to bother getting help with this. Yeah. I I'm sure it does. Yeah, I'm sure it does.
1: There's there's papers written on um I kind of the psychopaths and psychopathy and. When people are thinking like that and from what I've read and what, from what I've heard from 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 people who are experts in the field that, yeah, people have those dark thoughts, but either A, they're afraid to go and get help. It, there's a fear there of talking to somebody about th- those thoughts are so dark, you know, and B, that they don't want help, that they know they're going to act on it at some stage and that they want to. Mm.
0: Yes. And they're afraid if
1: they get the help, it'll stop them fulfilling this fantasy in some way.
0: Because it is, I really felt that in Lisa's case, um, that Gerald Hara, he'd written a letter explaining that he had had these urges, that Mm. he'd always known that Mm. he was going to Mm. basically murder somebody someday. Mm it just happened to be lisa because she was the easiest target mm. for him the most vulnerable person to him because they were together mm. and i always i always and i will always maintain that was the ultimate high for mm. him i really mm. believe that for him when we talk about reform mm. and everything else i think he he's he will be like an addict in yeah. this term sense yeah. that that was a high for him the yeah. ultimate high yeah. because he had those urges as he said himself he's yeah. very clear about those urges that and that he could no longer control it. How yeah. does he control it when he's released from prison? Yeah. What, as you said, what, what method do the rehabilitation puts in place for somebody to control that urge? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a, it's a risk, isn't it, for someone to have an urge it, it, to murder?
1: Absolutely, it's a risk. And and I suppose we as families, and to broaden it out, like the, the ordinary general public, the, the citizens of this state also have a right to know about it's these people mm-hmm. are a risk for them to put mm-hmm. out into society. We really do have to ask ourselves what kind of society do we want? Mm-hmm. Do we want a society where people that are capable of doing these terrible, terrible things, you know, that it's okay for them to be released or considered for release after seven years? And I know I heard the, the guy from the parole board there saying, oh, look, the, the people are serving an average of 18 to 20 years. That's an average. Mm. There's people getting out a lot sooner, there is. obviously, mm. than mm. a reluctance around mandatory sense. It's already there for certain crimes. It's it's there for firearms offences, and it's there for certain drug crimes. Mm. Mm. And it's mandatory. A,
0: and it's there if you um, commit a crime on a, a Garda, isn't it, a member of the government? A Garda, government? Um,
1: uh, yeah, um, yes, a fire, yeah, officer, yeah, a of fire officer. It's uh, a diplomat or uh, a member of the Dáil. Yeah. So
0: if, if, if any of their loved ones, or if they were, yeah. Um, yeah. then it would be a mandatory... A mandatory
1: uh, life sentence, so you would serve the rest of your life. Okay, so, so does, th- th- that's where... Does an that's, I-
0: good. that's good, that's that, good that that happens. Yeah, but 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 why are we any different?
1: Why, why is, uh, you know, uh, 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 someone being murdered in their bedroom different? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a discrimination there mm-hmm. that needs to be looked at. You know, so the idea that justice is blind is a lie. Justice is not blind.
0: It's selective.
1: Justice, you know, has the blindfold on, but she's looking out from under to see who's standing in front of her. Mm-hmm. And sentences are based on what she sees. So the idea that justice
2: is blind is wrong. Mm-hmm. Justice is probably deaf
1: because they're not listening
2: to us. Well, yeah. hopefully, with Save Yourself, I uh, know Advocates, and layers on, mm-hmm. between everyone, that hopefully in time, mm-hmm. you know, there will be fair sentencing. We um, hope. You know, and uh, I was saying off off air or off recording here, mm-hmm. I, I I can't get my head around why even if they did change the sentencing, why can't they reevaluate the sentences sentences already handed down? They do it in many other countries. It's just holding your hand up and saying, We screwed up on this sentence and uh, this is what you should have got and you're getting it now. Yeah. And that, that should be mandatory in my opinion, in mm-hmm. any molestation, rape, yeah. murder cases any violent crime yeah but
1: they they use this wonderful word uh, retrospectively laws can't be changed retrospect Mm -hmm. yeah but I mean you you could argue as well like like, at the end of the day you know we are the citizens of this country
2: yeah
1: and we should be deciding what society looks like and the shape of it Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day everyone in that building whether it's a senator or a TD or whatever is working for us yeah you know and they need to start listening to
0: us the thing is we never know what it's like until we're in it and it's a Mm. it's it's just it's a different life you live then and it's a different way of looking at the world and then you find um different ways to cope and
1: you do find different ways to cope and we touched on it before that you know when it happens you are you are changed and you are changed forever and you have to first of all learn to live with yourself and become I I don't know, comfortable with the new you if that's a way of no, because you have you have changed and mm. it's um not judgmental of your not new ju- no as well. No 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 it's it's to acknowledge and accept that fact that you are now different. Mm. And you it, it will be this for way forever. Yeah. There's so, no
0: escape in it and you just kind of I find myself we're talking about self-care and looking after ourselves, just trying to find the good in the world, despite yeah. all of the darkness that has surrounded yeah. us, yeah. to push through that and to find joy. So I mean, where do you find your joy?
1: I find joy in my kids and in my family yeah. and in my community and in my sports and in my music and in what I read and in other people. Yes. You know, for me, that's where that's where I get my joy and me that's where i find faith
0: i was god. going to ask you who is God to you
1: god uh we fell out around 2008 me and god
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten back
1: we yet? had a bit of a falling out um i always have i've always had strong faith and i know it's a, this is such a cliche but for me it's true and i'm going to say it anyway really here. <laughs> um I I have a strong faith but I, I would have no religion. Yes. I'm not religious. But I see I, I I see God when I see when in people. Yes. Mm-hmm. The space between people when they're having conversations and when they, that connection I think
2: I think that's what God is, is that connection of people. You mm-hmm. know? I agree. He's or she is in there somewhere. You, and you felt that with your community so strongly in your Definitely. family as so, well. And Angela the same. Definitely. big big thanks to both sides you know from my yeah. part anyway and angela's side having first yes. and experience of watching family community gather around and being there when yeah. needed not being offended when not needed you know it's a lot um, isn't it yeah exactly that i like think what you said earlier on knowing what to say is often nothing as yeah. well. you know and, and people respecting that like you know and, I know this is your story, John. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you're, fine.
1: you're fine. You're fine. I mean, I, I mean, I like I said. I mean, the, the, the people come up to me sometimes and just, just to me, John. I, you know, I don't know what to say. I just think that's, that's lovely.
2: That's okay, like yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so honest. Yeah.
1: You know, I appreciate that. Yeah, you honesty know? is good. Yeah. Honesty is good, and it's like I don't, I don't like people walking their shells either. I like, I, I, want to talk about it. People yeah. feel like they don't want to bring it up because it might hurt you in some way. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I want to talk about it because if we're not talking about them like we're back to this idea we're keeping them alive and Keeping their memories alive and and who they were and what they were, you know, they 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 walked this earth for a short period of time, but by God they had a huge impact yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that has to be remembered and never forgot obviously you have
2: gone through a massive journey you've put in a huge amount of work into yourselves but you also tapped into resources, whether it be family, friends, professional. So anyone that's listening right now that might be a bit intimidated by, geez, how? Sure, look at how great they're doing. Like that, that didn't come easy for you. Mm. So anyone who, who might think that it's unachievable, it absolutely is. Just mm. don't be afraid to ask for help. Talk to people. Talk to people. Talk to people. I mean,
1: if if, I mean, if, if anyone wants to talk to me, contact me. I'll meet them for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? It's um it took me a long time to start talking about it, but once I did which <laughs> can't be shut up now. You know what I mean? I I, I need to keep going. It, it it it's something that it went from something that I that I, I felt I had to do to something now I feel I just I want to do. I you know what I mean? It's 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 very different. Yeah. Um uh it's it's not it's not just my voice. I mean there's 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 many voices behind me saying these things absolutely you know um, but like I said anyone that's listened to this contact us I can contact me I don't know there's plenty of people out there that are in a similar situation and no matter where you are in this journey you know you will you will get there just your lives will and have been changed and changed forever but it doesn't mean you have to stop living no Mm.
0: and the days get easier shall we Thank you so much. Yeah, more about, it has been thank you so much you. for having me. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you, John. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.